You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 31. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined over Discord for the very first time by Sean Babiak, the pride of PlayStation. Sean, what is going on? I couldn't let you butcher another episode by yourself again. Didn't even mention Mario uh, Wii U remastered. Okay, listen here. I was talking about the 3D Mario games, which was the freaking rumor that the 3D Mario games are being packaged together as a remaster. So shut it. It's all right. I only was like cringing in my car when you were trying to think of examples like Mario Wii U, Mario Wii U. (laughs) Whatever. All right. Thank you to everyone watching us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every week on YouTube. Just search podcast PXN and you will find us on there. This week's show includes our topic of the show where we're going to dive into the ESA's decision to not host a digital E3 event and if we are witnessing the death of E3. But first, the show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. The first item on the PXN News of the Week is Resident Evil 8, uh, according to sources, is called Village, and will release in 2021. Uh, It's a first-person game, and it's also... uh, It's been... There's been rumors saying that Chris Redfield would be uh, would have a major role in the story uh, that you would still play as the main character from Resident Evil Seven. Uh, Boo! But, but yeah, but uh, you would de- apparently Chris is going to play a central role, and he's been redesigned as well. Uh, they talked about a new stalker enemy type called uh, the Witch, which we've already heard like uh, werewolves and stuff like that as well. Uh, European setting with some weird elements like uh, hallucinations uh, and stuff like that. Uh, And this also says Resident Evil 4 style inventory system, which is kind of interesting to kind of go back to the GOAT Resident Evil 4. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd be down for that inventory system. I mean, I haven't played 3 yet, which I know you'll talk about a little later. Um, But just diving in the little bit I did with 2, I forgot how uh (laughs) stressful it can be just with the inventory system itself yeah um and you don't really feel that in four um obviously because it's more action based um i I don't mean to go into spoilers but as most people know that beat the game uh resident evil 7 it ends kind of on a cliffhanger because you see chris redfield um so i think that's really cool i just wish awkward how they character it's super awkward how they implemented him it didn't even uh yeah that didn't even make sense <laughs> yeah i i resident evil 7 should not be beloved because of its story let's just say that yeah. it's because of that first two thirds of the game are amazing and then that last third once you get on the ship is pretty much dumb <laughs> i agree completely uh so moving on to our next news story uh rogue legacy 2 has been officially announced for steam so you have uh kind of the scoop on this one so I wouldn't say the scoop. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Jason Schreier. This. Um, so I, I really love the first Rogue Legacy. I know. So did my uh, friend Chris. Uh, we actually. I think it was a PS Plus game, like for your Vita, 
a long time ago when that used to still be a thing and that system actually used to still be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like probably before dead cells, like the best rogue, like, cause obviously it's in the name, uh, that has come out in recent memory. Um, and I know it's only been announced for steam right now, but the first rogue legacy has come now to every platform. Um, speaking of every platform, Daniel, I meant to mention this. Uh, Hotline Miami collection is finally available on Xbox like yes. 19 years later. I did see that. Uh, I'm not I've never played any of the Hotline Miami games, but uh I know Greg Miller loves them. <laughs> they're they're trippy, but it's a really fun g- gameplay. Just look at it that way. Hmm. Um but same thing with Rogue Legacy. I mean, basically whole concept of roguelikes is you continuously die only to learn more uh, about it, but the twist in Rogue Legacy is whenever you come back you're a descendant of the character that you died as and you either have a disability or an enhancement mm-hmm. so like one of your disabilities could be that there's no sound so there's no sound the entire game because your character is born deaf oh wow um or they grew up very poor so you have no money to start out the game with at all dang so it, it was a very clever take on rogue legacy or rogue likes so I have a uh, high hopes for the second sequel. Hmm. Interesting. Is what? So like, what style of game is it? Is it like a top-down perspective? It's like a it's a two D platformer in a sense with action elements. Mm. Um, and you're obviously like any of those games. Your goal is to make it to the end, beat the boss, and more or less do it all over again. But Rogue Legacy has this whole thing where not every game will always say, "Well, the play." The, you'll never have a same playthrough every single time, but hmm. Rogue Legacies is basically like saying, like, not only will you not have like a same map, you will never have a similar character because of what we're doing to the character every single time. Interesting. That's that's interesting. I know a lot yeah, of people will probably... be on like a Game Pass or something like that for if you get a chance to check out the first one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, they did bring over like kingdom hearts and uh what was that the yakuza for game pass um so i i would suspect they may do something similar with this um yeah more than likely so yeah that's cool uh moving on there's some remasters and definitive editions that are on the way uh that were kind of announced and leaked both uh so the saints row 3 one is is the one that was announced officially so Saints Row 3 is getting a remaster, and they uh, showed it off with a new trailer. I actually really, really liked Saints Row 3. I thought it was a really good game. Definitely the best in the franchise. Uh, in my opinion, Saints Row 4, uh, it was okay. It just it w- didn't feel like a Saints Row game. It felt like Crackdown, as we've I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, so... Saints Row 3, I'm 100% down for a remaster. It was just the goofiest, funniest, like, craziest game that you could possibly think of all wrapped in up in one. So I am completely down for this. I hope it doesn't cost $60 because that would be kind of criminal at this point. Uh, the special edition will come with a purple dildo bag. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Because <laughs> that was one one of the controversial things in it, that it has just crazy stuff like that, you know. Uh, and it, it's kind of funny to see where Saints Row uh, kind of started because the original Saints Row was very like gritty and more GTA-esque and in the sense that you're, uh, you're kind of grounded in reality 
and you're kind of seeing it from another perspective, like gang wars and stuff like that. And it was super interesting. It's just, it was kind of uh, not fully featured back then. And then finally, by the time they got to Saints Row 3, they just, they just went like to left field, like 3,000 feet into left field because they realized they have to differ- differentiate themselves from GTA, like make themselves unique. And they did that by making it just so over the top and zany and crazy. And I love it. So yeah, four, four was the only one I played. I would be interested in checking out three, but again, I wasn't even that impressed by four. It was just something no. to do with that point. Yeah, no, I, I would only recommend four to people that like crackdown. That's essentially what the game was. It, Four doesn't even translate to three whatsoever. Like it's not even close to the same game. <laughs> it's okay. kind of it's kind of crazy how you know strikingly different they are. So uh, I would definitely recommend uh, checking out three. Um, the other one that was announced or not announced but leaked was uh, Mafia One and Two have definitive editions that were leaked through a Taiwan uh, a game great game. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? The SRB ratings board, sorry. Uh, game ratings board in, in Taiwan. And this is kind of cool for me personally because Mafia 2, honestly, was one of the most underrated games uh, uh, the year it came out. I think, I want to say it came out like 2011, 12, something like that. Uh, but it was definitely one of the most underrated games. I loved that game. The story was really good. The gameplay I loved. I, I thought it was a very, very well-made game. It was 2010, by the way, that it came out. Uh, but it was, yeah, I was going to say, there's a big gap between all the Mafia games. Yes, there is. Um, and That game was, in, in my opinion, the best of the series by far. Uh, three kind of took it in a direction where the gameplay just went downhill completely there wasn't a lot to the world the world was very bland uh not a lot of activities to do uh the story in three is really good so i man they just kind of butchered the gameplay of three but mafia one i've actually never even played mafia one so i'm kind of interested to go back and check out one but uh two is definitely i hopefully it's faster for you yeah yeah, because I actually looking it up on PS. I remember playing it on PS2, and it was a especially after because I believe it came out after GTA 3. Yeah, it feels very inferior to Rockstar games, which I get. Yeah, I understand that, but still. Moving on, our next story. Uh, Phil Spencer did a little podcast unlocked action over at ign uh ryan mccaffrey interviewed him this week uh in order to kind of have something this week with the whole coronavirus situation going on he kind of took advantage of that and got phil on his show so some interesting things developed from this interview so Remember when a few weeks ago I said Ryan McCaffrey is freaking nuts and I don't know what the heck he's talking about when he said that the console is going to be $600, Xbox Series X? Well, turns out now McCaffrey's doing a 180 after talking to Phil Spencer, which is exactly what I said. Like, based on everything that Phil has said and everything Phil has ever led us to believe, Xbox Series X is not going to cost more than $500. And I think... Ryan now realizes that. All, however, I will say, 
Now I think Ryan's taking it a step too far because now Ryan's saying uh, the big one, the price, I no longer think Xbox Series X is going to be $600. I think at worst it matches PS5. It may beat it. Uh, Phil says, Oh, I disagree on that wholeheartedly. Yeah, so he says it may beat it. I don't agree that – I don't think it's going – I'm not going to say I don't agree it may beat it, but I don't think it's going to beat it just for the sheer fact that the power difference is so significant. Even though Sony has that proprietary faster SSD that they're using, I don't think that's going to really increase their cost that much. Um, So I think it very well could be the same price as PS5 because I think they both very well could be $500. Uh, but I don't, it's hard for me to see them beating it just because of, of the sheer power stuff. He does, he did say, and I listened to the whole unlocked interview, but Phil did say that he's staying agile with the price and that Microsoft leadership is actually giving him leeway on the price. So it sounds to me like if Sony announces PS5's price first, he may adjust that depending on what they announce, you know? So that'll be very interesting to see what happens with the whole pricing situation. But I can, I can now just say like, Ryan, I told you this weeks ago, weeks ago, podcast PXN. Hey, I would not get too cocky at Nietzsche words. Cause you still never know. We're obviously in a, we're not even post Corona yet. We're still obviously in Corona shit, yeah. but it's, you, you can never know what could actually end up costing more in the end, just due to, manufacturing limits at this point in time yeah yeah uh yeah everything everything ryan decided to talk about after phil's interview i just feel like that's what we already have known uh if he would have went back and listened to what phil has said in the past i just i just never thought it feasible to be a 600 hundred dollar console i thought maybe 550 but that was even a stretch in my opinion i never thought that it would be over 500 um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens they say both sony and microsoft continue to say that uh this corona stuff is not affecting uh hardware right now uh one thing interesting as well from this interview was phil talked about how uh games are being impacted by this whole situation because uh there are some game issues that that were having uh, game development problems with working from home and we kind of see that with some of the delays that we've we've heard about that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but that's I think that's going to be like their main problem based on what he was saying, that uh, the studios are just going to have to find ways to, you know, keep making their game as efficiently as they can, even though they're working from home right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the scariest thing right now. Like I'm thinking about. Obviously, we don't know any launch titles for PS5, but we do for Series X and Halo. And it's like, so where are they at in that development? Um, as far as are they able to just basically work from home in that sense? Because at this point, you're not going to launch your console without that finished game. In yeah. my opinion, at least you wouldn't. No. So I, I, it just kind of makes you wonder, is there going to be a trickle down effect with some stuff going on? Yeah, I don't. it's going to be interesting. I, that's for sure. Although Phil, Phil did, or I'm sorry, Phil, Ryan did ask Phil specifically if uh, he would delay the hardware launch if, for instance, Halo Infinite wasn't ready, and he said no, he would not. So 
if if for whatever reason halo infinite isn't ready by this fall to launch with series x we probably will still see series x come out which uh i'm not i'm not gonna really be upset if halo infinite doesn't launch alongside it because i'd rather have a more i'd rather have a complete halo infinite that is as good as it can be than release on time with series x so well and this is 343 has a lot to kind of basically make up from the faults of um halo 5 so they need to make sure that this is a knock out of the park basically absolutely and and halo 5 launched as an incomplete game because forge didn't come for a, a month after release uh big team battle didn't come for a few months after release there was game modes missing that had been in every other halo game that didn't come till like six to eight months later so like yeah. they definitely have to release a complete game at launch for sure. So, uh, moving on, we will move on from Phil Spencer. Uh, Mixer Mixer has a cool thing going on right now. Uh, they are apparently giving a hundred dollars to every single partner, every single Mixer partner. So essentially, Mixer partner is the same thing as a Twitch partner where. You have to have, I think you have to have like a thousand followers or something like that, uh, something around that ballpark that to be a partner. And they're giving a hundred dollars to every single one. That that's really cool uh, for this difficult time that we're in right now. Uh, for them to kind of you know just do whatever they need to do with that money. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I thought was pretty cool, which I just saw this before the podcast recorded, and I, you know damn well I ordered this right away, uh, Halo tweeted out a uh, tweet with a t-shirt design that they made for uh, supporting coronavirus uh, stuff. Um, it's basically going, all the proceeds are going to uh, coronavirus charity. And it has on the front hashtag we got this Spartans and it says hope and love and then it, they like highlight the letters H A L and O so it looks like Halo it's kind of cool so I already ordered one so shameless plug shameless plug I mean that's it's going to charity what do you mean <laughs> those are both cool charity things that are well, the first one's not charity but it's them giving back in Corona times I think that's pretty cool so um. Going back to our delay situation that we were talking about, uh, Wasteland 3 and The Last of Us Part 2 have both been delayed. So, obviously, this is a big, big deal for Last of Us because this is the second time that we've gotten a delay when we kind of thought that the game was coming. Uh, third. Third delay. Is it the third? Yeah, I guess it is. Cause it, it was supposed to come out in 2019, then again in February, and now indefinitely. Yeah, which there's been a lot of people talking about whether they think this is content-related or, like, game development-related. And it's really difficult to kind of decipher what what is causing it. Like, at, my first reaction was that it was content-related because this is like a it's like a virus like thing it's not a virus but it's an outbreak situation uh that this game takes place in like where everyone's getting some kind of disease or whatever not a disease but you know what i'm saying uh and i'm kind of thinking that's the reason why they delayed because of this whole corona situation they don't want 
you know, any terrible bad marketing in their corner because we're still getting games that are releasing like Resident Evil 3 just came out, Doom just came out, um, Final Fantasy is coming out. So it's not like uh, necessarily the supply chain is an issue per se, but I don't know. It's well, Neil Druckmann actually spoke on it about one not being. He wants it to obviously be like at a launch event, and people can't even get like their stuff from GameStops. Um, right. Like even if you, it, only if I guess you got it home delivered because they're not even doing curbside like I know Best Buy is and stuff. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want that to impact. My guess is physical sales. More or less, it's probably not him saying that. It's the like deals, the marketing deals. Like that's why we haven't gone to an all digital future yet because right. of retailers still. Yeah. So he kind of spoke on that. He also was talking about how um, the game did have some polish that they wanted to um, address as well, Uh, which typical Naughty Dog, they will not release a game for the most part unless it's perfect, as we all know from all their previous releases. True. Um, I heard uh, on IGN, Sam Claiborne on GameScoop kind of talking about that as far as is it possibly due to the content I don't think so, because I don't think they really shy away too far from the controversy side of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're about to play as Ellie, who's a lesbian character. I mean, they don't really care about, I guess, putting off a differing audience. They'll just, they're going to tell their story. Um, But I I think it has more to do with how they envision this launch being um, for them. Now, I will say this. I think continue indefinitely make it a ps5 launch game yeah i agree and that's what that was the question i was going to ask you do you think they're going to launch it on ps5 and have it a cross-gen game uh or do you think that they will still release it first on ps4 and then eventually on a on playstation 5 i'm gonna say i say you you really have not too much to lose with just making it a ps5 game because same thing with xbox we they have both said that your PS5 games basically there's not they're not making next gen games specific for at least a year. Right. So you're going to be able to play Last of Us uh, two no matter what on your PS5. Yeah. So why not just? I mean that if you want a strong contender that can kind of compete with Halo, there you go, Sony. Yeah. That that is recognizable as the game of the generation for the PS3, Xbox 360 era. Why not have the sequel to it launch your console with? I agree completely. I think yeah, that... just like how Halo is launching. Yeah. That's a that's considered Halo. Halo Two is considered probably one of the game of the generations for the PS2 era. Yeah. So why not do the same? I I and I I'm super excited to play this game. I'm concerned that they're going to do something like release it on ps4 in like october and then you know playstation 5 comes out in november but we don't get a port until like you know june of next year or something and then we have to pay for it again i hope to god they don't do that obviously we can play backwards compatible on ps5 uh the ps4 version but i really i want them to make a ps5 native version of this game i think that would be absolutely amazing yeah, I mean, I guess only time will tell. I, I don't think this is going to be the the last game. I, and I know we're not giving really Wasteland too much uh, grunt with it, but we're not really too big into Wasteland. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this is the last game delay that we're going to hear about coming up. Yeah, I agree. 
I think there will definitely be more. And there may be even be some that we don't even know about that aren't even announced that they're just getting pushed without, you know, they haven't been previously announced. So no like cyberpunk kind of worries me that that's probably going to get pushed back again. You think so? I, so the only reason why I say that is because game developers, for the most part, all work in an office. They're yeah. learning just as every other job, for the most part, how to work from home. Okay, well then are you sure you have that type of PC mechanics at your home as opposed to your office? Yeah. I, I don't know how that looks. I re- obviously neither of us do. We're not in gaming, but it, it's still going to be an odd world coming out of this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely a technology concern that, uh, you know, you have designers, are they remoting into their desktop at work? Because that's not really optimal for a designer to do that. Exactly, yeah. You have a slow but connection. So I Something I was talking about with my friend Emily, and this, not to kind of close it out, but like, this is, in a sense, especially if you are quarantined or working from home, that type of thing, this is a perfect back catalog time. Yeah. I mean, I know we have some new releases coming out. Uh, we'll talk about one actually here in a second, but Yep. Like, I actually got some time to do a little bit of my backlog with some stuff that I had not had a chance to play yet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I may have to go back to Darksiders because I haven't even... <laughs> I literally started, like, a minute of that, and I was like, I'm not feeling this right now, and I went to play something else, and then then I beat Doom and Resident Evil, and now maybe I need to go So, So, that. 3 or Genesis? Genesis. Okay. Yeah. I still want you to play 3. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someday. <laughs> uh, moving on to Final Fantasy VII remake reviews, which have been very positive, largely. Uh, I think it was like what eighty-seven on Metacritic right now. That's yeah, cool. a lot higher than I anticipated. I I want to go back to our uh, episode we were predicting Metacritic reviews. Honestly, yeah, true, true. Because I don't. I think I get, actually put this low end. Did you? Okay. Yeah, if I remember right, I think I only said like maybe high 60s, so, low 70s. Someone out there fact check us because I have no freaking clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. But yeah, I mean, 87, that's great. I mean, I, I think a lot of people say this is like the greatest RPG of all time. That is completely false. Yeah. This is the most uh, American mainstream Japanese RPG ever made. I will give you that. This put. Final Fantasy on the map for American gamers as opposed to just Japanese gamers. Um, I have a very uh, uh, big fondness for this game, but I I would never say it's my favorite RPG of all time. It is just, it is a good RPG. Actually, it's a great RPG. Just, it does have its issues, but Mm -hmm. I am very much looking forward to playing this on Friday, especially given I've seen some criticism with it as far as the what they've changed and what they have left in. And I'd be very curious me playing the original, what I'm going to take away from it for sure. Yeah. And I will, uh, I will stand in the background and, uh, not even come close to playing. (laughs) Did you ever check out the demo? No, I didn't. I, my thing is, is there's so many final fantasy games at this point. I don't even like want to try to get into it, you know, but there's none of the stories except for like a handful are connected. Oh, really? Well, not a single one is has any characters besides a chocobo yeah. and uh, the Moogles. That's it. Oh, the Moogles. Yeah, those are my favorite. Yeah, those are my favorite. But literally, there no no characters are repeated except for like 10, 10, 2, and then thirteen had three parts as well. 
Other than that, they're all separate from each other. Gotcha. All right. Well, maybe someday I'll play that demo. (laughs) (laughs) We know it's not true. At least check out the demo, please. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Moving on below the, you know, average reviewed game below that was exclusive to Xbox One for a little while is coming to PlayStation 4. And actually, it's out now. So uh, this is kind of an interesting one because uh, Cappy Games... They kind of did something similar with their last two games that they've made, I believe. Uh, Super Time Force, when that came out, that was a Xbox One exclusive, and then it came to PlayStation 4 about a year later. Um, this is kind of a similar situation, except Below, I don't think was as highly regarded as like Super Time Force, for instance, was. Um, so, man... Check it out, I guess, if you if you're interested in in Cap, Cappy Games uh, previous games. But uh, I played a little bit of it on Game Pass, and it definitely wasn't my jam. It's it's definitely it requires a specific taste. I think um, a lot of people called it like the Dark Souls of 2D platformers or whatever, um, but uh, not platformers, 2D dungeon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I don't know. It's average reviews. Take it as you will. Read reviews. Yeah, I know Miranda Sanchez from IGN was high on it. Yeah. It just did not look like I – I didn't look like anything I wanted to try out. Yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't – it didn't capture anyone's attention, really. So, um, moving on to our last news uh, item of the week, which is perhaps one of the bigger ones – uh sony has announced that the new playstation 5 controller it is not the dualshock 5 actually it is called the dual sense controller uh this controller actually to me it's a very interesting design uh it almost takes some of the design inspiration from the playstation 3 boomerang controller you remember the original ps3 revealed controller uh, before they actually like you know redesigned made it look it. good yeah <laughs> yeah it kind of has like the handles on this new dual sense controller it kind of has like that curve that that had obviously it's nowhere near like as long handles as that thing was that was a monstrosity but it kind of has that design language where it kind of like flexes in towards the controller i think it i, I like that i think it looks pretty cool um, so what i want you to do is when we're done with this podcast I yep. want you to go on YouTube and look up Astrobot. So you and I were talking earlier today, and I'm not too high on the, just the look of it, but after looking at it more, it is the exact model that Astrobot, um, the PS1 or PS4 uh, VR game, it is the exact model that the controller switches into when you're in that game. Oh, really? It looks exactly the same, pretty much. Yeah, I just was like. Yeah, that's so familiar. And then I saw a bunch of things online that were saying the same thing. I was like, it's just the Afterbot controller. That's interesting. I did not know yeah. that. Huh. Yeah, so it's it's pretty unique as far as that goes. I like how they teased it almost like two years ago. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, so obviously they kept the light bar, uh, they, except they did like light bars on the sides. To me, it's a cool it's kind of a cool um you know effect on your controller to have that but i just don't understand the purpose of it i guess the the functionality aspect of it i don't understand uh obviously on ps4 they touted the light bar as being like a main feature that the console would that the console would utilize that to you know do some cool things and some games did use that like 
uh, my friend was telling me like GTA five, when you play that, uh, in the cops are after you, it flashes blue and red, which is, that's pretty yep. cool. Um, but like, it just seems like the developers really didn't utilize it. It didn't really catch on, I guess. So I don't really understand why you would keep some aspect of the light bar, but I mean, maybe they have a reasoning for it. Um, it's interesting like to differentiate your controller. Like if you had two of the same controllers, but I would agree with you. Yeah. Like there's so many other cool things. Like I'm thinking, you remember, uh, we, we talk about our love for dead space all the time. Yes. Like, yeah. And how you never had your health on your screen. It was just on your back. So you knew what you were at. Like, that'd be a perfect way to kind of maybe show your health is you just kind of see in the background your light bar just getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just things like that. I They didn't take advantage of to the, or at least developers didn't take advantage of to the fullest extent. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem with controllers in general. Like, uh, these console manufacturers make some really cool things in their controllers, but if the developers don't utilize them, then it's pointless. Like uh, the Xbox One controller has impulse control, uh, impulse triggers that are like haptic. It's haptic feedback where you press more and it gives you more like feedback from it, and you press less and it gives you less feedback. So like when you're playing a game like Forza and you're making a turn you you tap the brake and it like gives you force feedback to kind of give you an idea of how far you need to press it so that you don't slip your vehicle so like your tires don't slip it's very cool technology and actually the dual sense announced that they have a similar thing with uh with what they're doing with haptic feedback that you're going to be able to feel like the difference between different like um textures and stuff like that uh, walking through sand and stuff like that. So it has different tensions. So it sounds very similar to what's in the Xbox One controller. So hopefully now that they have some similarity there, developers start to utilize that function specifically because it's shared between the two. It's just the thing, usually the things that uh, don't get utilized by third-party developers at least are the things that are unique to the controllers because that's more things they have to go in and develop for one specific console. Yeah, I mean, like, no one besides that launch game, 1-2-Switch, has taken advantage of the HD rumble exactly uh, inside the Joy-Con. I mean, PS Vita, as uh, maligned as the system it is, it is a very good handheld. Mm -hmm. um, but the only game to ever take full advantage of that was Tearaway. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it, it just sounds like, okay, unless you're a first party, you don't care about that stuff, which yep. I get, but I, I like your point as far as, when there's parity now between two controllers, yeah, maybe you'll see more of that. Like the tensions in the bow, I know is something that they were talking about. So I'm thinking of like Tomb Raider, like okay, feeling if it's a weak shot or a strong shot, something like that. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I'll say about this controller is, so it has a built-in mic on there. So be prepared if anyone plays online on PlayStation Five with a uh with the with this controller you're going to have a built-in mic so i guarantee you there's going to be a ton of people sounding like shit on multiplayer matches using this microphone because obviously a built-in microphone it's not going to have anywhere near the quality that an actual like headset microphone is going to have and the biggest example i can give to that is connect when connect first came out Oh my God, people would use it as a fucking chat. Oh, there I go. The people would use it as a chat device and it drove me insane. That wasn't even Randy Pitchford. I know. 
It, it, it literally would drive me insane because people would leave their connect on for voice chat in multiplayer matches and you just hear like this crackling and this grainy sound like it sounds like someone's in a, a can somewhere like hello hello I'm over here. it's like it's awful don't do that why why would you put a built-in mic on this i don't understand that well, Sony did say it's it's not the way that you should play. Um, yeah. It has been confirmed today that there is an audio jack in it, so I know people were kind of freaking out about that. Right. Um, but even when the, they in, unveiled the uh, controller, they said that it is not the ideal way to do voice chat. Exactly. Yes, my, definitely. My thought is it's almost something like, I know this isn't a game you ever play, but on um, the GameCube, a uh, game called... Uh, Kami or something like that, not Okami, but it was like this pinball pinball voice game, mm-hmm. um, and you had to buy like the microphone with the game. So I'm kind of thinking something similar like that. Like maybe they have a few quirky things they want to do, or mm-hmm. maybe it's their way around of having voice controls um, like the Connect. True. Um, but without the price of the Connect. True, true. Because the camera, the PS4i, is what does the voice controls on the ps4 system so this would and it is the same as connect not that accurate (laughs) yep exactly so yeah uh hopefully they may just turn turn the controller uh mic off by default sony please don't leave it on because you will torture people you won't torture me because i don't normally i don't play online on playstation i just play the single player uh first well the next call of duty beta that that's what you're gonna torture (laughs) yeah the next exclusive game you know, to come from Activision on Call of Duty front. Freaking doofuses. Don't even get me started with that again. There's anyway, no way Sony's getting rid of that contract. Microsoft yeah. made a mistake with that, but they are not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my problem is Microsoft's deal was never as bad as what they're doing now because Microsoft always did one month exclusivity for DLC and they are doing exclusivity for entire games. Destiny. Destiny had some of the worst fucking mark. Or gosh, dang it, I did it again. Destiny, Is it because I'm not there to supervise you? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> uh, Destiny had some of the worst uh, exclusive DLC of any Activision project, and that was that was painful. One year exclusivity on a whole bunch of maps, modes, etc., armor. It was terrible. So yeah, Activision, go. You know what i'm about to say i'm not gonna say it uh yeah shocker now you won't games moving on to the games we were playing resident evil 3 i played this weekend and beat it uh it was my playtime actually came down to four hours and 52 minutes so very did short. you not collect everything i i collected literally almost everything well like they have those little bobbleheads i didn't like go around hitting every bobblehead or whatever or like scavenging for the bobbleheads but i literally went to every single room just the same as i did for resident evil 2 because resident evil 2 took me about 13 14 hours to beat uh this took me less than five and i heard sam this week on uh game scoop say that he it took him 12 hours to beat resident evil 3 I have no idea what the hell he was doing for 12 hours. He said it was Resident Evil 2, and then it took him 6 to beat Resident Evil 3. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. I thought he said 3. Okay. Um, But anyways, yeah, it it only took me a little little under 5 hours to beat. But 
However, I will say I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was really good. Uh, I still enjoyed Resident Evil 2 Remake better than this. Uh, it was a longer game. Uh, I feel like the action or the uh, horror m moments were a little bit better. I liked the police department a little bit better than uh, all the locations that Resident Evil 3 brought you. Uh, I also thought that uh, Nemesis wasn't as scary as I thought he was going to be based on the demo. Because um, the demo drops you right into the scariest part, in my opinion, which is the beginning of the game, um, where he's basically stalking you every second. Uh, when you start to get to like the middle and then to the late stages of the game, he kind of just falls off, really. For a while, you don't even see him. And then when he does come back, he takes multiple forms, so he's not even the same you know, character anymore. Or, not character, but the same form, so he isn't as scary, in my opinion. And the final form of him was by far the easiest form. Uh, easily killed him. But, uh, yeah, overall, really enjoyed it. Just was kind of hoping more from the nemesis aspect and the length, I guess, was my only And it could points. be just my nostalgia that kind of ramped it up, too, a little bit for you, as far as me as a kid playing yeah. that game and... Obviously, like that was more terrifying at that point in my life. Yeah, well, um, I mean, you weren't yeah. the only one. I had multiple friends telling me that that they really enjoyed that game. My friend Travis and my friend Ian, they both told me the same thing. They've they've played them and really enjoyed them. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you weren't the only one. But moving on, uh, there's one game I missed last week, which I don't know. How I missed this. Ori in the I'm World. I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed. Yeah. Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I actually completed last week. Um, so, Ori, such a freaking beautiful game, first off. Second of all, second off, the game is absolutely phenomenal. I love every single component of that game. They expanded on the powers and the abilities, which I really liked. Um, it did get frustrating at times with some of the boss fights. Uh, I was getting very frustrated. Um, there was one, I actually found a a glitch where i don't know if you remember this one but the boss is like chasing you left to right and he has like tentacles and stuff and you're running across the screen and then you fall down in this like circle thing that spins you like it spins around and you have to stay in the center or whatever and as it's spinning down you just have to survive well i died my first time on that part and so it reloaded back to the start where he starts his chase sequence so I run down that part. I get to that circle again. That little part that is open on the circle, it wasn't open. It was closed. It was sealed. So I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't go in. But I didn't know that like the first time you you know you just do it instinctively. You don't really think about it. The second time I went and I was like, "What the heck? Where do I go?" So then I died. I went back again. It was still closed. So I was like, what do, what do I do? I literally did that about 20 times until I f was furious. And then I looked it up online. And apparently it was a glitch that it was locking that area away from me. And I had to reload an earlier checkpoint, which thankfully they have a bunch of uh, checkpoints that it keeps in, in the game. Huh, yeah, it's not one I ever experienced. Yeah, it was really bizarre. But yeah, I got through it. But yeah, overall, really, really good game. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. And Honestly, I would not be surprised to see a third game from Moon Studios for Ori, uh, but I also wouldn't wouldn't be upset uh, to see a new game from them as well. 
No, I would agree. But uh, my question for you, since I already stated this, contender for the year? Absolutely. Definitely a game of the year contender. Really good. Um, So I have three of them. Uh, Not too big of games. Uh, I I talked with about Neo at length already, so I, I just chip away at that as I can. Yeah. And obviously I'll start Final Fantasy VII on Friday. Uh, my first one is Murder by Numbers. Um, this is an indie game. It's it's a puzzle game. Um, you actually do pick-cross puzzles, uh, which I don't know if you've ever done those puzzles before. No. Um, but I always found them to be fun. I love the pick-cross games, like uh, specifically on the Switch, pick-cross, pick-cross S-series. Um, but this is, it's like, has actually a story with the puzzles. The story's, eh, eh. I mean, it is what it is. You're like this weird detective, but it is a very inclusive story as far as having a lot of um, gay characters, trans characters, like LGBT. Um, it kind of brings upon like race and stuff like that during the story. So I thought that was very interesting. You mm. don't see many games kind of include all that stuff all at once, especially a puzzle game. Right. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. I only have one more scenario to do, um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, my next one is you actually misspelled it on the show on the run of show. Catan with a C. Ah. It's not mortal. It's not mortal Catan. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I was told by Ed Boon that every single spelling that has a C in it needs to be changed to a K. So that's what I. Did. <laughs> if that's not marketing, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, so this is the uh, Switch version of the popular game uh, Settlers of Catan. Um, this Settlers of Catan, my friends and I were obsessed with. We play it up until recently, every single Sunday. Um, we have like we always get like wings or pizza or something like that. We just sit around for hours playing Settlers of Catan. So I wanted to check out the Switch version during all this quarantine stuff, and it's actually really good. Um, it's a pretty admirable board game on a console. Hmm. Um, some issues as far as matchmaking when you play online um the trades aren't as indicative as you like would if you were face to face with the person um and i think it's a really crappy get that it is only multiplayer online um like if you and i wanted to play it and we didn't have the board game but we had this on our switch we Hmm. can't play it together Hmm. we can only do it if you have a separate copy that's it that's kind of silly yeah, so, like, I- I'm just thinking of, like, old board games that were brought to video that I played, and that's really not, like, uh, what is that, Jack Jack in the Box, I think, or Jackbox. Party Jack? Jackbox, thank you. Yep. Like, that you just have to buy, and you and, like, seven other people can play. Yeah. Like Even, like, Monopoly, you can yeah. play Monopoly like that digitally, too. Yeah, so that was that's pretty disappointing, but I, I still say it's a faithful recreation of actually playing the board game. Um, and the last game that I played uh, is Ikaruga. So this is considered by many to be probably the best shmup ever made. Um, this came out during yes for people. This who came don't out know. during the PS2 days. Um, it is still as fun as ever. I remember playing this when I had a PS2. Um, it's whole mechanic is uh every enemy is either two colors white or black and you either shoot white or black and your ship either is white or black Hmm. um so you can switch everything on the fly so if an enemy is shooting uh black at you you can absorb black shots if you happen to be the black color 
And then you can still hit them with black, but it's not going to do as much damage. But if you're white, it's going to do double damage on them. Hmm. So it's like you have to kind of uh, risk that dichotomy uh, when you're doing all that stuff. So it's still as amazing as ever. I'm having a lot of fun. I actually wish I had that like setup where you can actually turn your switch vertical in handheld, yeah, handheld mode. Um, just to try that out because I know this is one of the games that supports it. Uh, but it, it's still a really good port. Uh, I would definitely suggest it if you ever wanted to try a shmup or want to try basically the best one ever made. Cool. Perfect. Uh, moving on to the topic of the show. Uh, this is kind of a, a big deal, but, uh, not necessarily surprising. I don't think, uh, E3, according to the ESA who, uh, who runs E3, they will not have a digital replacement this year for E3 that was canceled in June. So not surprising in the least bit because the rumors are that the ESA was kind of discombobulated when when they kind of had to cancel E3, and they tried to, at the last minute, uh, piece together something by getting everyone to come together uh, to their platform in order to have a show. And according to some reports, they went to IGN, uh, you know, some of the streaming platforms like Twitch, Mixer, stuff like that to kind of coordinate something and apparently ign was one of the people that said uh basically we don't need you we'll do our own thing so that was kind of on the back of that ign has announced that they are doing a summer of gaming event which they describe as a global digital event set to begin this june uh to bring you the latest news and impressions around upcoming upcoming video games and the next generation of console hardware so this is exciting because this guarantee that's where we're getting our next gen stuff. Guarantee it, it very well could be, and they they list a, a number of partners including 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Amazon, Google Google Stadia, ugh, Twitter, <laughs> De Devolver Digital, THQ Nordic, and more. So the interesting thing is they don't say anything about Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. Ubisoft, EA, any of those. So I wonder if those guys, the ones that traditionally have a presence at E3 via a press conference, I wonder if any of them are going to contribute to this or if maybe they try to find out when exactly IGN does this. It just says this June uh, and maybe do like conferences the weekend before. I, I don't know. I hope they somehow coincide this because every year e3 is an event and that's such an exciting thing i don't necessarily need e3 to stay around but i would love for the you know that week to still continue where you get all of the announcements uh all the games i just you know that's that's the best time of the year because you have that you know you have that week look to look forward to for all of these announcements so hopefully this will give us a little piece of that i don't know what do you think uh, I mean, I'm more in the mindset of knowing that Sony has State of Play, Microsoft has Inside Xbox, Nintendo has Directs. I think all three of them are going to do their own thing. Um, I will say that I think uh, as far as the other developers you mentioned, Square Enix, Ubisoft, all them, they would jump on board with something like that with an IGN. Um, but I don't see our major three doing that. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong on it, but it just kind of gives me that feeling that 
that's not the route that they personally would go down. Yeah. I think the closest chance we get something like that is maybe they give them some kind of announcement, like just give them one announcement or something like that. Um, you know, just drop it in there. Because they do say uh, the next generation of console hardware in their description. So, you know, that kind of makes me makes it sound like, you know, they're going to have something related to that. I don't know. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I have a lot of faith in IGN. I, I'm not one of those people that hates on them just because they're popular. Um, I think they're popular because of how they uh, conduct their business and their journalists, too. I know um, you and I always argued over, like, Colin and Greg when they used to be at IGN. But, like, those two in the gaming industry made a name for themselves by being at IGN and creating what IGN is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have full faith that whatever they are going to do is going to be great for it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, man, it'll it'll just be interesting how they do it all. I don't know, like, are they bringing developers in or like, or telling developers, hey, send us footage? I don't know how that'll work because they're they're talking about interviews and and stuff like that. I guess they could just do like Zoom interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, but, Zoom market price has probably gone up quite a bit recently. Yeah, for sure. Even <laughs> though there's a lot of security concerns around Zoom as well. Yeah, yeah but, I was going to say, I know they just got hacked or something. Yeah, they, well, yeah, they have, that's the least of their problems. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, man, I just hope that E3, I, if E3 goes away by name, but not by practice, I would love to see that, but yeah, like you said, I think most likely we'll have a separate event from Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, and most likely they won't be coincided in any way. Um, but I would love for them to be like lined up one after another uh, right before the. Well, summer. Nintendo needs to go first because what the hell is coming out now? Yeah. What Mario? Like, Animal Crossing is out. <laughs> They're gonna release twenty Mario games this year. <laughs> Evidently, but yeah, we know it's all just a rumor. We know yeah. nothing about it. True. It was crazy how many people were reporting on that. Like there was many outlets reporting on the same thing, uh, kind of around the same time. But yeah, I w I would be excited for those remasters for the three D Mario's, anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, obviously, I want to play Sunshine again because of everyone talks about like how much they love it and i just remember back in the day not everybody loving it it kind of had a very win uh waker feel to it because you remember how everyone dumped on wind waker yeah because it was cartoony but now it's like thought of as like the one of the best Whoa. zeldas ever made oh yeah um so i i would just like to play it because i i do remember loving sunshine mm -hmm. i just remember being very empty yeah um and i know that's something that pair from ign actually even said is that it is still a good game, but it's not what you remember. It is an empty game. Yeah. Like most games it's, were during those days anyways. It's funny what, like, nostalgia glasses do to you because uh, the Halo community has a running joke that, uh, like, they, there's, like, a, uh, a moving, you know, cycle of what the favorite Halo game is, what the be like, what the worst Halo game is and such. Like, they have it placed next to each other. So, like, they're like, oh, time to move the scale. Halo Reach is now the favorite Halo game of all time, and Halo 3 is the worst. And it's, like, it's so funny to see stuff like that because, you know, people's perspective changes over time, and people grow up with games at different times that you never have a consistent 
you know, opinion from everyone. So Yeah, I mean, it's like you and I will never consider Fortnite to be the greatest game ever, but so many people from this generation will. Well, I do really enjoy Fortnite. I have been back on Fortnite quite a bit. So. But you would not put it, knowing you, it would not be in your upper echelon no, of games. No, no, no. It wouldn't be in my top, like, 25 games of all time or anything like that. Yeah. So, it, it'd probably be in my top 25 played games of all time, but... That might be true. Um, so. But yeah, I, I personally, just to kind of, like, bring it around, I, I don't think we'll see everything go away as far as E3, um... Again, just like everybody's been saying, though, we have no idea what the future holds, how long all this stuff stays in place. Quarantines keep getting longer for everything. So it's it, it's it's an odd world, I'll give you that. But I think games can only flourish with a digital representation as well. Yep, I agree. I mean, because everybody's watching. I don't know. I like literally have friends. My friend Emily, actually, today wanted a recommendation on her switch because she's like i'm quarantined i have nothing to do what do you have for me so it's like okay what are you into like yeah. do you want a metroidvania or do you want uh rpg that type of thing i mean a lot of people that maybe are only playing one or two games are looking for something else now yeah that is a super cool result of this whole thing going on so yeah we're all gamers just most don't want to admit it <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> That's true. Mainly those mobile gamers. Uh, thank you again. Uh, thanks, Sean, for joining me over Discord. This was this was good. I think it worked out pretty well for us. Uh, yeah, that would agree. So I think moving forward, this this would be a feasible option uh, until this craziness calms down. Uh, but thank you guys for coming out to the show. Remember, you can join us each and every Wednesday on YouTube, Podcast PXN. Just uh, search for us on there. Also, Twitter, at Podcast PXN. You can find us on Facebook, everywhere. You know, Sean's everywhere. He follows us on Facebook, right, Sean? What's a Facebook? Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys again, and we will see you guys next week. Much love, and keep on gaming. Deuces.